Today I'm chatting with Nada Lina. Nada is the founder and CEO of Rise Up For You. She's also a TEDx motivational speaker and a leadership and career confidence coach, having coached and mentored close to 50,000 individuals on self-empowerment, career strategy and other soft skills. We chat about the importance of defining company culture and what it means to effectively engage the workforce. We explore how the attitudes of millennials and Gen Z are influencing how brands behave. And we also touch on mental well-being and what Nada's been seeing this year in the workforce. Here's my conversation with Nada Lina. Hey, Nada, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. It's, it's my pleasure. And obviously, you know, jumped on your podcast a couple of weeks ago. So nice yeah. to return the favor and, and, and get you on ours. Um, you know, I wanted to, to jump in before, before we go in with any questions, really just to get you to give some background on, on Rise Up For You, um, the, the organization you run, what it's all about, what you guys do. Um, just as a kind of start to the podcast to get us going. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So yes, I'm the founder of Rise Up For You. I founded the company about four years ago. I built it from scratch. And basically, we work with companies and individuals on soft skills. So we help build organizational success and team success, as well as individual success through teaching the most important skills, in my opinion, and that's the people, emotional, and social skills that make up our success. Academic vernacular is soft skills. (laughs) So that's what we do. And we've had the pleasure of working with companies and people worldwide. And, um, you know, 75% of professionals, they derail their career because of a lack of these skills. So it's very, very crucial um, and very much needed today, not only professionally, but personally. Cool. And look, you, um, I mean, you went what from a stage singer, performer, uh, 20 years into this, it's, uh, you know, into being a coach speaker and running rise up for you. It's maybe not the most strange of, of pathways actually, but what was the, the transition for yourself going from that role as performer into this kind of professional role of running rise up for you? Yeah. So there was a, there's a couple of steps in there actually. So I started as a performer, as you, as you mentioned, Matt, and I toured internationally around the world singing and dancing. And I recognized that the top challenges that we were having as a touring company, it all came down to communication, leadership, and these soft skills. These are the things that were really creating havoc in the, on the tours, right? And then after the tours, I decided to come back to California and I actually became an executive of an education corporation and I was 27 years old and I had 200 team members under me and the same thing was happening in that organization where like the company culture was toxic you know well-being wasn't well amongst the team members communication was poor there was all these challenges that were happening that really had nothing to do with the business strategy or the product per se but the people dynamic, right? It was the dynamics between the leadership, the people and and one another that was creating some of these people problems that I like to call it, okay? And I realized that it's really a two-pronged approach. So there's organizational dynamics and culture that need to be taken care of, but then there's also the personal side, the individual, and they both have to come together. So individuals need to work on their soft skills and do their part, but organizations also need to create psychological safety and a proper company culture in order for the whole thing to work and be productive. 
So that's really where I started to realize that, whoa, the top challenges that I'm seeing as a performer, individually, now as an executive, this is the common denominator. It's these EQ skills, these soft skills. And so that's kind of where I started to get this idea of, okay, I need to focus a little bit more time and energy here. And then I went through my own personal journey. Within two weeks, I lost everything. I lost my house, my car, uh, resigned from the company. And I found my, I moved out of the country. All my money was in foreign currency. And within two weeks, I was back home on a plane with two luggage. And that was the moment that I said, who am I? What am I good at? What do I still have? And what can I do with this? And that's where I started building Rise It For You. Awesome. It's funny, isn't it, how sometimes you've got to kind of hit rock bottom to go back up to the top. Like it's, you know, when everything's taken away, when you're in those situations, often there's there's light that comes out of it because you you're faced with having to make hard choices and i know for myself when i was in the in the corporate world it was often easy to avoid those choices because of the good paycheck because of the comfort and you know sometimes when you end up down and out is when you you start kind of going forward and getting to where you need to be yeah and that's that's those people skills right the social and emotional so when that happened for me i said well i just I just um, resigned and I replaced myself. I hired somebody to take my spot. So can't go back there. <laughs> so I could go apply for a job and I could go try to be another corporate executive or I can take everything that I have been passionate about for the past couple of years that I know and make it happen. And that's exactly what I did. Awesome. There's a few things I want to unpack in, in just the last question and what you were talking about in terms of organizational culture and, 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 you know, getting teams to communicate and all, all of this stuff. I mean, when you, when you go into businesses, when you look at solving these issues, you know, how much is it a process of the right leadership versus a process of the right team dynamics, or can you not separate those things? And, you know, how, how important is, the kind of top of the pinnacle when you look inside businesses and and how these problems are solved that the leadership aspect so i don't separate them um and let me tell you why because leaders are people and so the challenge that we see is that we have this expectation or standard of leaders in the workplace but the reality is is that most leaders become leaders because they hit certain performance indicators or they hit certain benchmarks. It's not because they're a people person or they're this incredible transformational coach. Usually you get promoted into a job because you hit the sales outcomes that you needed to hit, or you were an innovator in the company. And so for me, it's really a handshake of both. It's if there's challenges that are happening in the workspace, and let's say it's some of the leaders or the management that are having those challenges, okay, let's work with them. But we also have to continue to work with the people as well. Because no matter how much work, and this is where the handshake comes in, Matt, is we can do a bunch of work with the top leadership of the executive team, and we can invest a ton of money in supporting the team and doing training and coaching. But if the individual doesn't show up at their best and receive the coaching and like implement the training, it collapses and vice versa. Individuals can come and say, I'm going to put my best foot forward in the workplace. I'm going to work on myself. I'm hungry. I want to grow. But then if you have the executive team and leaders that don't have that same growth mindset and that aren't new age in their leadership, then that's eventually going to die. So both of them have to work together. So is there a, is there a kind of DNA map of 
exactly what should look right inside a successful business? You know, is it, can you map it out that way or is it different for every business? No, you can't because, you know, every business is different in how they're creating engagement and development, but the map is, is the same thing. So just like we build a strategy to grow a business, we need to build a strategy to grow our team and engage our team. Right. So the first thing is like, what are the company values and the culture that we want our team to have? That's the first thing. And I'll tell you right there, Matt, that this is one of the biggest challenges for companies mm. because they don't have their company values set in stone for their team. And so what happens is that when they go and recruit and they bring on new team members, they forget about this part. And then the next thing you know, they hire somebody and two months goes by, three months go by, and they say, this person's not a good fit for our company. Well, that could have all been solved in the beginning if we were really clear on what kind of values we were looking for as a company and what our values are. I cannot tell you how many times I've gone to a CEO and said, what are your company values? What are your team values? And they say, well, it's this, 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 and this. Okay, does your team know that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So are we using that as a benchmark when we recruit? Well, not really. I'm like, oh, okay. So what happens when you bring somebody in and then you realize that they don't fit your culture? Well, then we have to replace them. Okay, so you wasted a ton of money. <laughs> so that's the first thing is really understanding your company culture and your values and writing them down, making sure your whole entire team knows them, okay? Now then the second part is what's the employee trajectory, okay? This is another area that can be really, really challenging is people today, they want to grow in a company. They no longer want to go and just make a paycheck. They want to know, okay, like in five years, what's, where can I potentially be? In three years, where can I potentially be? Because then they can envision themselves growing that way. So having an employee trajectory by role, and then the most important phase is employee engagement and appreciation. So how are you engaging the team? How are you developing the team? How are you showing appreciation for the team? This is the people development phase. It's really important. So those are kind of some of the steps. And then there's a whole bunch of work that happens within those. Awesome. There's a couple of things, again, I also want to unpack on that. Um, and I think we chatted about it last time. The, and on your website, you talk a little bit about the UN Sustainable Development Goals, I think more in a nonprofit space. But, you know, with what you're seeing, um, in the, the kind of younger workforce, the, the newer workforce, you know, what yeah. they're expecting from companies. Are you, are you seeing changes in um, you know, what, what people expect from a business today in terms of how they treat people, planet, everything else, you know, the kind of millennial generation down? We're seeing that and it's, it's part of why we're in business. I'm interested to get your kind of slant on that in terms of expectation. I know when I look back through my career, if I go back, 25 20 25 years ago I sound old now but uh, you know we never I never I looked at a business as you know how much could they pay me what's going to get paid on time these things are, of course important but it seems there are other priorities now for people coming into the workforce is that are you seeing that you know I'd love to kind of hear your ideas around that in terms of what's expected from companies in kind of you know in this 2020 and moving forward yeah, so I, I, I always make a joke about it, but it's a true story. Companies today are expected to be the university. They're expected to be the health and fitness center. They're expected to be, you know, the philanthropist. So these, you know, when a kid went to school, 
And when they went to school, they had counselors, they had teachers of all subjects. Um, they had gyms that they could perform in. There's all these different clubs. That's kind of how a company has to think of themselves now is they need to provide all of these different avenues for the employee to be engaged and to be proud to go to work. Now, I know companies are saying, forget that. I'm not, do I'm not doing all of that. But the reality is that pre-COVID, it was an employee's world, not an employer. And so it was very simple for an employee to say, well, listen, if you're not going to show corporate social responsibility, if you're not going to show that you're a conscious company, then I'm going to go work at the next company that is doing that. If you're not going to have positive company culture, if you're not going to invest and train me, then I'm going to go to the other company that is going to do that. And so that is where we are today. And companies have to ask themselves if they're not doing it already, is this a positive thing that they're asking for us from us? And if it is, then let's make the shift, right? There's some things that I think this new generation is bringing into the workforce that I would argue probably aren't the best. And then that's where we could say that I'm not going to implement. So this is where we kind of have to understand as a company, what's the best thing, but definitely corporate social responsibility. It does a number of things. It creates team engagement. It creates fulfillment for the individual. And it also just shows that as a company, we're conscious and we care outside of our company. We care about what we're doing to the world. We care about humanity. We care about globalization. So that's an important concept. And the, you know, a, what, a lot of what you do is about people. Obviously, it's all about people. You're working with people. Do you, where do you see the role of technology in, in, in this element, if at all? You know, it's interesting for me. We speak to consultants a lot. The message are, are, messages are often the same, although, you know, where we're working is much more at the technology angle. And technology is interesting because when you're talking engagement, and let's face it, this year, so more and more people than ever have been on conference calls and Zoom and everything. You know, what, what do you see the, the role, where do you see the role of technology as an enabler in, in, in this process of engagement and where we're heading? That's a really good question. And I'm an optimist in this regard. I think that technology in regards to our industry, right, which is the people, soft skills, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think technology will always be a tool that can enhance what we're doing, but I don't think it'll ever replace the, in the service industry of people like coaching, trainers, consultants, you know, therapists, that industry of being able to train and work with people. I don't think that that'll ever be replaced by technology, but I do think that technology will help enhance, you know, the work that's being done. Yeah, awesome. Makes sense. I think it's interesting. I don't know if you saw the social dilemma. We haven't chatted about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're just, we're, I'm writing a piece on, on it at the moment or as a kind of rebound to it, you know, what, but it is interesting. I mean, it, it's quite a, I think it's one of those documentaries that everyone should watch and, and it's quite shocking, but also I think there's hope in there that actually now what we're going to see is, you know, all of these platforms start to kind of look at the negative um, reaction to them and start to look at how technology can be used in a positive way to foster things like empathy rather than polarization um yes. that that is my hope for that i don't know how you felt about it or you know I'm, I'm also an optimist so yeah well i think that this is you know um we can talk for hours about the social dilemma but you know in regard to the technology i think that this is one of the challenges that are happening in the workspace with the different generations is that it affects our way of communicating right so like the millennial generation for example 
or you know, you know, Generation Y, you can you can call it. Half of us were full blown in te into technology, and the other half we didn't have it until we were fifteen or sixteen, which is myself. So like, I'm kind of into it, but it doesn't really. It's not my mainstream of communication. But when we look at the iGen, which is this new generation, Generation Z, and the next generation, Matt, which has already been called Generation Alpha, their whole world since the day they were born is on technology, iPads, phones. And mm. so their way of communicating is very different. And it can be challenging in the workforce to have understanding and to help effective communication when one person's a baby boomer where they, you know, sometimes they don't even know how to use the technology and the other person has only been like this since they were born. So these are some of the challenges that we're seeing in regard to that technology component. Really interesting. I didn't know Gen Alpha. I need to go and look at, look that oh, up. But you're, yeah, that's, that's the new one. Okay. I mean, I, it is really interesting. I, you know, I don't think it's, it's very hard to relate, you know, growing up with instantly, you know, from the moment you're kind of conscious, you, you're surrounded by this this digital realm, which you are you know, ultimately connected to. So yeah, very interesting. Well, it's a new it's a new way of having engagement when you grow mm. up, right? Where like you, when you and I, Matt, were were growing up, our way of engagement was going out into the streets and playing hockey and football and soccer. You know what I mean? And then naturally, when you do that, you build people social and emotional skills, right? Like you learn how to fail, you learn how to fall. You know, sometimes you get a cut, cuts and bruises and you fight a little bit and like then it makes you more resilient, more communicated, where there's a whole population today where their form of engagement is gaming. It's actually a sport today, gaming. And so that can really make a dynamic shift when it comes to communication in the workplace. Awesome. Look, you used a word there that I want to that funnily enough was in my kind of notes, which is resilient. Um, Resiliency, I would say, probably the most important word in 2020. And it also links to another subject I want to touch on, which is, um, you know, mental well-being, um, mental health in the workplace. So two things there. Um, if we start just on, on you know, well-being, what are you seeing this year? Because this year has been tricky. We've been doing some stuff in the education space around well-being. Um, there's no secret in terms of, you know, what a challenging year it's been. What are you seeing in the workplace? And and that links into then, you know, tips around how to be resilient, how to build up your, your strength against a year like 2020. Okay, so that's a really good question. Here's what I'm seeing in the workplace, specifically in North America. That's what I'm the closest to right now. And I'm actually seeing it overseas as well, but I, I, I know more about what's happening here. Is that way too many people have defined their success solely off of the workplace. And when COVID-19 hit globally, many people lost that stability and the comfort of the workplace. So paychecks changed, people got furloughed. Unfortunately, some people got fired. You know, businesses completely collapsed and went bankrupt. Some of them aren't even existent anymore. And so that took a huge toll on people's well-being because that was their livelihood. And that's what that's all they've known. And that's where the resilience piece comes in of how can I redefine myself? How do I redefine what success is? And how do I move beyond this tragedy that's happened worldwide? That's the first thing. So that created a lot of stress for people because they didn't know how to handle it. They had families, bills, 
that kind of thing, right? And so I always say that, you know, COVID, everybody is, everybody is in the same waters with COVID, right? We've all, we're all going through COVID, but not everybody's in the same ship. So some people are in this big, beautiful yacht and some people are in this like little tiny raft where the bubble got popped and now they're in the water. So everyone's a little bit different with the stress and how they're handling it. That's the first thing. Then we saw the racial injustice come to a forefront, okay? Now that created a new dynamic of stress and trauma, right, for many, many people because it hit a boiling point, which it should have, you know, it was time that we all kind of wake up to what's happening. But now that created an even different dynamic in the workplace because people have different beliefs and programming around diversity, equity, and inclusion, around race, around religion, around sexual orientation and gender. And that created a whole other, you know, um, I think giant in the workplace that we needed to navigate through. Right. And then on top of that, there is the election that created more stress. So this is, has really taken a huge toll on well-being, not just in the workplace, but also personally. And I think personally, from what I'm seeing, this is my professional and pers personal experience, is that because people are just trying to grab anything to survive financially, right, to, to not sink, they're overworking in some cases right? They're overworking, there's more stress, and there's more things that are happening that are creating a downward cycle. It's certainly, yeah, it's certainly been a year for all those things. And I mean, but it, as a lead on from that question, you, that, that word resiliency, you know, what, what do you recommend? What is your advice to, to people who are, who are in that situation where they have been kind of put into a state of shock from you know, job loss from change, from dealing with all of this stuff from this year, just at a personal level, what are, what are the tips and tricks you, you suggest for, you know, resiliency, which I think is the right word in terms of what you need, um, right. you know, in a year like year, year like 2020. So the only thing we can change in our, is ourselves. That's the first thing that we can do, right? We can try to create change and transformation in other people, but the only thing that we can fully have control over is ourselves. And that's where we need to start. So I, the thing that's going to be really important for everybody is redefining what success is to them. Success on a holistic level. So not just success on a workplace level, because as we know, some people, again, they still don't have jobs. They're still looking, right? And because they don't have that, they've lost themselves as a human. They've lost their identity. And we don't want that to happen. So it's redefining what is success. What does it mean to live a life that I'm proud of? What does it mean to feel okay? What's worst case scenario? And if I do hit worst case scenario, can I still survive it? Those are really important questions because when you're able to have the conversation with yourself, then you're able to take a breath and say, okay, I can get through this. It's only temporary. Now, what are the small action steps that I need to get to where I need to be? Right. If I'm struggling with a job and I just got furloughed, okay. Let me not stress about it. What's the action step that I can take to go out there and try to find another job or to make some money? You see, it takes just as much energy to stress than it does to take action. It's the same amount of energy. Hmm. So we get to make the choice of where are we going to put our energy so that we can move forward. There's, 
I mean, I, when I listen to you talking there, really for me, it's a lot of that is about really being conscious of, you know, where those, where those reactions are coming from and just managing the reactions as what they are and letting go and, and then looking at the problem with uh, as much as you can, a kind of not disconnected, but a mind that's letting go and, and being able to see what's the path forward. So it's managing your stress. You know, it's really, it, it really is. It's managing the stress and being in the present and being proactive. So yeah, like many people are dealing with trauma and a lot's going on right now. What can I do right now? What can I do in the present and how can I be proactive? If we go too far into the future and we start stressing about the future and we sit in the past, it's going to be really hard to move forward. There was a lot of people when COVID came out that were getting sick because they were stressing about getting sick. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? So their yeah. immune system went down and then it was like all, it was mental health and all these things that were contributing to them now getting sick. Yeah, crazy. Makes sense. Uh, look, a kind of a, a closing question and, and, um, you know, in terms of businesses of the future, if you had to name, and it can be more than one, you know, the, the traits, the attitudes, the, you know, what is needed to be a successful business of the future, the next kind of five, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, what would you say are those, those main traits? And it, you know, like I say, it can be more than one, but if you, you know, outline the, a successful business of the future, what does it look like? That, that, thank you for that. So I have a little triangle that I like to use with my clients. It's three points that I think really make a company competitive um, and evolving constantly. So the first we talked about was social and emotional intelligence. Like that's one point of the triangle, triangle that we've already addressed. But the top point is business intelligence. So like that's what's going on with your business. Where is your business going in the next five years? right? Who are the other inventors or the other companies that are in the same industry and what are they doing? So it's having a 360 picture of the business intelligence, a 360 picture of emotional and social intelligence, which is with people. And then the other point of the triangle is collective intelligence, which is also the competitive edge of the company. So not only sitting with yourself internally as a company, but sitting with the other geniuses and pioneers in your industry and coming together and saying, where's our industry going and how do we pivot it? How do we stir it? What's the trend? So I always say that a really great business is constantly thinking about those three things. It's business intelligence, collective intelligence, and social and emotional intelligence. Awesome, Nada. Look, I didn't have any more questions, but was there anything I didn't ask that you'd like to mention or... Yeah, and anything you want to put out there, and obviously, and um, apart from that, just just to share where people can find out more about you. Yeah, I mean, I think I love. I always love engaging with the community and the audience, and I know you know we're kind of everywhere. So please go to riseitforyou.com. Check us out. Check out the work that we do with organizations and with individuals. I know tonight we talked a lot about you know well being and kind of moving through some of the you know situations that have happened in the last nine months. So we actually have a Become Your Best kit. It's about well-being and redefining success. So it's completely free. I think I can send it to you, Matt, but that would be a really great free gift that we can give away. So anybody that resonated with that portion of the interview can sit down with themselves and say, let me redefine my success. Let me figure out where I'm going. How am I going to get there? What are the steps? So I can send you the link, but it's completely free. And then other than that, please go to riseitforyou.com, find me on LinkedIn, and let's connect. 
Awesome. I will share all of those links in the in the podcast notes. And actually, with that, thanks for offering um, th that share. I will put that out not just on the podcast, but to the network of people that we're we're dealing with. So great. Look, it's been lovely to chat, Nada. Really appreciate you taking the time and keep doing, doing the great work you do. Um, we will no doubt speak again. But um, yeah, have have a lovely evening. Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks. This is a podcast from Task. Task helps you create and measure impact. For more information, please visit task.io.